Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello there. Welcome back to the OMG MotoGP channel and welcome back to Extra, previewing the final race weekend of the year for MotoGP in 2023. We're heading to Valencia and, uh, well, Keith and I, Keith Ewan, former Grand Prix rider and British champion, as always, joins myself, Harry Benjamin, were waiting to record this podcast because there was a press conference between Luca Marini and Fabio Di Antonio, and we thought, this is it. This is going to be the big one. And what did we get, Keith? Absolutely nothing, of course. <laughs> I was at the motorcycle show today all day long up at the NEC motorcycle live show, um, which is why I probably look a little bit flustered because one or two beers and meeting up with many old mates. Um, we live in a strange world in motorcycling, you know. I have to say, the NEC show, good show, looking pretty good for me, but um, you won't find many people much younger than me there. It was slightly shocking that our whole demographic is the wrong end of the market for me. And it's got to be something that's got to be put in place, mm. um, particularly here in the UK. We, we must do more at Silverstone. We must do more regarding the show. We must encourage more children to be involved, more youngsters to be in, teenagers involved. I hear all the things about the place being cold and dark and dim at this time of the year, and so nobody wants to be on motorbikes. I understand that, obviously. But there, there has to be a situation where we can um, promote our sport better in the UK than we are. Sorry for those of you living in nice, sunny countries that don't have this problem, <laughs> but we do here. Um, yeah, the, the press conference was basically not even worth waiting for. I came home early on the train just to make sure that um, I got it, and uh, and I didn't get it. Uh, the best part out of the, the press conference, Pedro Acosta, I've got to say, the quote, obviously, probably of the decade, I don't know about of the year, where he said that, uh, Racing is easy if you take it easy. <laughs> I just love that quote. He just sat, sat, sat there. I mean, the youngest ever Moto2 um, champion, um, going to Gas Gas MotoGP next year with Tech3, which will be a fantastic position for him and all. Everything is just easy. Two-time world champion, Moto3 world champion, Moto2 world champion. Uh, racing is easy if you take it easy. I mean, just take that. <laughs> you imagine the amount of people disheartened by the sound of that. It, it, well, it really knocks setters. Uh, well, if you don't go for a gap anymore, you're not a racing driver. Well, yeah, well, he called, be, uh... he called Jackie Stewart Stewart. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even call him by Sir Jackie. <laughs> AYS got a shock. <laughs> oh, good old Pedro Costa. But so, I mean, we got nothing from, from Marini or, or Digi. Because Digi, I always... No. Well, I that. mean, the thing with Marini is, he, uh, he's in his brother's team. They're on Ducati at the moment. There's rumours about Yamaha. Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, Speed Week, uh, Gunter Wiesinger's um, website has, has been speculating again about Yamaha going with, um, with, with, with Rossi's team, which, of course, 
it's a natural assumption that at some stage in the not too distant future that will happen. But you know, I wouldn't imagine at the moment. But Gunter is a man that is very well connected, so I wouldn't dismiss anything that Gunter Wiesinger comes up with. That is for certain. Um, Marini, uh, there might be several reasons for why he can't make the announcement. I mean, it was the most long-winded, you know, non-event that I think I've ever listened to. In <laughs> honestly, even even Marini lost all the style of the, of the of the wonderful Italian that he is while he was sort of speaking. It just mm. it was just a nonsense. Um, but it could be for several reasons. It could be that. He's playing hardball with his management, not just for the finance. That, that definitely will be sorted to one side, but it will be the team behind him, what say he has in the direction the bikes go in and stuff like that. It will be, it'll be nuts and bolts behind the scenes that they need to get nailed down. He needs to get nailed down. As a young fellow coming into a, a broken team as Honda is at the moment. Um, so I would suggest that that's probably it. I mean, what's the backstop? He stays with his brother and he stays on race-winning potential machinery. Um, hello? <laughs> that's not so hard, is it? Um, but what it does do is it mucks up and uh, Fabio and uh, Digia. I mean, where does where does he end up? Does he end up with a MotoGP ride? I mean, the natural thing for me would be to, for him to sign for VR46 if if mm. if your man Marini moves across to Honda. Um, you know, I, I some somehow hope that he he did uh, move across um, to Honda, but. Do you know, it's a risky old business. I, I, I don't know whether I'd do it, even if I was 20 years old and taking a risk of, or whatever it might be. I mean, it just seems to be too risky going on the two-year deal. I mean, he could do it. could be a, a, a brilliant coup. Honda could come out of the bag next year with, with, with some real performance once they've been down a wind tunnel or two and uh, got things worked out a little bit. Um, mm. Well, and concessions, right, as well, are supposed to help them out. Well, yeah, I mean, this concessions thing at the moment, I mean, is there any agreement on that just yet? I mean, we've, we've you know, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that, why would, and again, we come back to that rulemaking situation where the manufacturers have to agree in unanimously. That's a tough word, isn't it? It's me and Jan Antonio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I did say I've been drinking at the NEC. So, Are you uh, doing this drunk? Unbelievable. Uh, but the point being is that, that you know, like, you're not going to get Gigi Delinia to agree to something that Honda want um, just because, you know, there's going to have to be good reason for it. The only issue, you know, I discussed this on the stage with Julian Ryder today at the NEC. That, that um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is Dorna do have a wild card in that they can turn around and say, well, as a safety um, situation, we believe that the aero is now becoming slightly unsafe. The front tires are ballooning in in uh, tire temperatures are going up, so we're not getting consistent tire uh, pressures and the like in there. Don't forget, next year, if you if you're running a tire pressure that is below the uh, designated 1.8 bar um, for 50% of the race, you get disqualified. It's not three It's not three seconds. It's not a slap on the wrist for a warning for the first event. You get disqualified next year. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a massive penalty. So so Aero has a lot to answer for, and Aero is causing most of the trouble, I would think, for the tyre manufacturer. So it, there's a lot to be discussed between now and then. My excitement at the moment is all about Valencia, not just the race. I think I've, I've pretty much bypass the race in that that you know Bagnaya only three times this is courtesy of Nick Harris Nick Harris wonderful journalist as you know and uh, and puts out quite a lot of press releases Nick Harris used to be the MotoGP.com uh, main commentator um, he put a thing out that only three times in the premier class has it been won from behind so it's only been overhauled three times wow yeah. And if I immediately get to this, because I, I know you ain't going to have this stat in your head <laughs> as a Formula One man. Um, the 1992, Rainey beat Doohan, um 
Doing, if you remember, had that massive leg injury, and he had a 65-point lead at that particular point, um, and he was on to win his first ever title. And uh, Wayne Rainey caught and passed him. Uh, he had a two-point advantage going into the final round in Kyle Army, and Wayne Rainey caught and passed him and won the world title. So Mick Doohan was devastated and, and had that big injury as well. In 2006, of course, we talk about that a lot. Rossi fell off in the final round of Valencia. What was the difference there? Rossi had a seven-point advantage. Um, no, he didn't. Um, he had a, an eight-point advantage over Hayden. Uh, Rossi fell off. Hayden did the business, won the world championship in 2006. He's only the great, you know, Nicky Hayden, no longer with us, rest in peace. But the, the most controversial one, of course, of all of Valencia, coming from behind, um, Rossi had a seven-point advantage over teammate Lorenzo going into the final round. After all those shenanigans at Sepang when, uh, you know, Rossi and, and Marquez came together, Marquez basically held off um, Rossi. Rossi finished fourth, wasn't enough. Lorenzo won the world title. Um, and there was a massive fallout all over the place and the world went completely bonkers and split down the middle. You're either the, the red team with uh, Marquez or you were the yellow team with Valentino Rossi. Everybody hated each other and it's the first time I've ever seen such nastiness on the terraces or verbally in my sport. Um, wow. But there you go. And that was then. So it's only three times that someone's ever come from behind to overtake and no one has had as big a lead as Bangnaya's got. I know we've got a sprint race as well involved in this one, which means there's 37 points and and. and instead of the modern-day 25 points, as was. Um, so there you have it. Um, so effectively, Bangnaya should be champion. Um, so getting back to what I said a minute ago, I'm looking forward to Valencia for Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Monday, Moto3, Moto2, ride on uh, Pirelli tyres for the first time. Um, that's very important. Take over from Dunlop as control tyres uh, from, from next year until 26, I think it is. Um, and obviously, we've got people on new bikes on Tuesday, which should be really exciting. We've got the first time Mark Marquez has been out on a Ducati. Can't wait to see that on the Grassini bike. Everybody's settling in. So a lot to look forward to on Tuesday as well. Next week is going to be an exciting week. Yeah, we're going to do the pod a little bit later next week. So uh, we're going to wait for testing to happen. And then Pete McLaren's going to join us um, to look back at testing and, of course, uh, the final race of the season. So look back at that. But, of course, um, one man who is bidding farewell and will be on a new bike, Alex Rins, back for a LCR Honda farewell. He's been given the all clear. Yeah, he's back. I mean, we still don't have a full grid, though, do we? Miguel Oliveira out of it. So we're, we're still not a full grid situation here. Uh, Lorenzo Salvadori has uh, taken over. Uh, in that particular camp. So for the RNF Aprilia team, replacing Miguel Oliveira is Lorenzo Savadori. Um, just a couple of other uh, wild cards. David Amansa is in for Moto3. And in Moto2, we've got Hector Garzo on an NTS chassis scheduled. Now, I haven't looked up to see whether that is a genuine NTS chassis. I'm assuming it is because it's a one-off. There are no other NTS chassis this time. If you remember, NTS were with us a few years ago in Moto2 and then disappeared. Very... Um, uh, how should we say, upmarket um, uh, factory that make really, really trick stuff. So NTS should come up with something. Whether this is a, a dip in a toe in the water for, for future again, I don't know. But Hector Garzo is on an NTS and Matteo Ferrari is on uh, one of Grassini's Moto2 bikes comes in as well as a wild card. So that's your wild cards done and dusted. Well, lots to look out for then. Um, now, uh, once again, uh, look, some great uh, feedback as well from my last episode with uh, the guys from Driven International. Really fascinating chat all about circuit design. We could have had a two, three hour chat with them, I think. Easily. Uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, they are joining us a little later on on this show as well to look a bit more at the track stuff in particular with Valencia, which we know, Keith, you've been outspoken at before. But what about Valencia as the place and the surroundings? Give us your, your insider's guide. I like Valencia. I mean, it's a great place. Communication-wise, travel-wise, it's really easy to get to. The track's not far out of the city. The city's a good city as well. So, you know, you've, you've got everything you need from a 
from a destination type place. I, I, I suppose the only reason I'm critical of Valencia is because it's at the end of the year. It can be often quite cold there and not the best when it comes to tyre adhesion. By the time you get to turn four, you've been on the left-hand side of the tyre for about a week. I can't remember how long it is actually. I think we timed it out at something like 30, 30 30-odd seconds, something like that, on one side of the tyre before you turn right and um, lose the front end straight out from underneath you. So that's a bit of a bind. Getting past, I mentioned, you know, the, the, the Rossi Lorenzo thing. After reason, you know, Rossi couldn't make any more progress. He came from the very back of the grid to get to fourth place. But as soon as you get to people that are of a similar pace, and let's face it, everyone is of a similar pace in MoGP at the moment, um, you can't get past them. And and that is, a, is from a spectator's point of view, you're in a, a ball ring. You know, you can see from whichever grandstand pretty much you book, you can see the entire track, which makes it fantastic. And since then, they've, they've put a bit of an orange grove in the middle as well to make it look pretty. So it's quite a pretty looking track in the middle. Um, you know, it's the circuit Ricardo Tormo it remembers a, a famous racer called Ricardo Tormo. That's the name of the track. Um, there's a lot to be said for the region and the racetrack from a spectator position, I suppose. But from a, a spectacle, um, from a racing situation, it's not perhaps the best. Sure, Valencia deserves a place in the calendar, but I always wonder why we end up coming to a track like Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This To wrap up a championship when there are obviously much better tracks that we could end on. It's my only criticism. I know that people bloody go for me over it, but um, it's just it's, it's slightly disappointing from that point of view. And it's cold there at this time of the year, even if the weather is going to be sunny, as it says it is. When that sun drops, starts to drop behind the horizon, you know, you have got a, a track that temperature changes immediately. And that, again, exacerbates any problem you've got with tyres, tyre pressure and so on. Yeah, well, if you are there, I hope you've uh, I hope you packed a coat to go with you uh, to keep you warm. Um, but let's uh, have a little more in-depth look at uh, the track in Valencia and a bit more circuit talk with the guys from Driven International. Now, I was going to try and make this sound really professional, um, but we are we we are filming this on a different day. Uh, so, Adrian, nice fancy edit now. Uh, now, to help us uh, continue looking forward to Valencia this weekend, Ben and Gary are back from uh, Driven International. If you haven't heard our chat earlier on in the week, all things circuit design, do go back and have a, a look at that on our YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. But thanks for uh, continuing with us, uh, Ben and Gary. Now, I mean, Keith, you, you, you've been quite vocal over the last couple of shows about your uh, your distaste for uh, the Valencia track. 
just just tell us what is it first, Keith, about Valencia that that kind of grinds your gears a little bit. Well, I mean, I think I think you're you're really bringing me to a to a point here, aren't you? With it, I mean, Valencia as an area, as a region, fantastic. Um, and if you you couldn't cram more of a facility in a smaller piece of land, and I think the boys will will, will agree with me on that. The design actually for for the amount of land space you've got is brilliant. There's no doubt about it. But I think that it's a it's a bit of a one line racetrack, which means that you tend to find that if somebody's in front, there's not a lot of passing that goes on. That's pretty evident over the years. Um, it's at the time of the year. For, for me, the, the big problem is, is it's the final round. And I feel that you could have ended our season, MotoGP season, up the road at Catalonia would have been better. It's a, more, it's a, it's a, it's a, a bigger racetrack. There's more uh, opportunities to, to do something a bit spectacular. Valencia just seems to be... It's a bit like Branzac Indy Circuit. We all like to go and watch Branzac Indy Circuit because you can see everything from any particular place that you sit in the stands. I mean, the fact is, from a fan's perspective, you know, the access to Valencia is fantastic. There's, you know, you can get in by train. It's not far out of the city, da, 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 da. And anywhere where you sit in the, in the, in the masses of concrete, um, it's not very environmentally friendly, judging by the amount of concrete they're made out of the stands. But you've got a position where you can see everything that's going on. So from a fan's perspective, Brilliant. But it's at the time of the year when it's likely to be cooler. Although, having said that, the long-range forecast says this week, this weekend, it's going to be sunny all through the weekend. So we might end up with the final round not as cold as we were all predicting it was going to be and, and quite difficult. You've also got the other problem from a motorcycle perspective, and the boys uh, from Driven are going to give us a, a, some kind of an angle on that. You have got something like five left-hand corners before you turn right at turn four. So you've got a, a, a situation tire-wise, and we didn't really touch on that in our um, earlier program, earlier on in the week. Uh, you know, how you manage tire temperature and stuff like that. Is that something that goes through their mind when they're designing a track? That you, You're going to be, you know, half a dozen, five left-handers before you get to turning right when the right-hand side of a tire on, on a motorcycle is has effectively gone a little bit cooler just by a few degrees, but that makes a massive difference. And down you go. Turn four is notorious at Valencia for tipping over so there you go i'll fire it out there it's not a bad place it's still a great you know at the end of the day valencia is a nice region great place to go um but just seems a bit odd to me to end a, a series as as hectic as as ours um at this particular place when there are for me better racetracks to end a series on yeah so ben gary what'd you make of that what would you what, what, what do you make of that track first of all and and you know if you were tasked with redesigning it maybe perhaps you know how would you go about that i think and this is more of a general answer to the circuit so yeah i, I mean i love valencia to go and watch as keith was saying i've been there for um superbike and, and gp and it's it's a it's a ma- it's amazing venue like, the atmosphere is incredible it's almost like a stadium isn't it so really cool from that perspective um there's a few things um, with track design that we often get asked, like, and it's a big thing with a lot of our clients, is what's the length of the track? Um, we always get, you know, can we, you know, if you're, if, if you're at 2.9 kilometers with your design, you can guess what they're going to say, let's get it to three, or, you know, three and a half needs to become a four kilometer track and it keeps going. Um, the problem with that is you you end up, you know, trying to cram more into the space and and your average you know we we look very very carefully at average speed and overtaking points so you know if we were going to redesign if if the if the brief came to us redesign valencia the first thing we'd look at is what's the average speed where's the overtaking points can we do anything to like potentially you know increase the flow of the circuit 
I think the pit lane exit is something there that's a bit compromised, obviously, at Valencia with the with and we spoke about this earlier on in, in the other show around um, you know, bikes coming out on the racing line. That's something that I think you would look at as a designer. But it's always tricky when you've got a track that's you've been there for a long time um and is designed in a different era where you know, some of the thought processes now are, are completely different and you you are working with more modern regulations. It's always tricky and the same as like you mentioned Brands Hatch, Keith. You know, if you redesign Brands Hatch now, you'd probably ruin some of the character of it, to be honest, but you'd end up with a very different circuit. I don't know what, what whether Gary has any thoughts. No, I think I think exactly the same. You know, and, and the footprint dictates, you know, you touched on it immediately, Keith. You know, it's such a it's such an amphitheater area, just like Brands Hatch, you know, fantastic facility. But you it is trying to, you know, how do you get that second turn to be a right hander or third turn to be a right hander where everything is so compact, you know, swapping backwards and forwards, going in different directions to get that track length, you know, and and nowadays things have changed with a bit more cambers acceptable where it wasn't back in the day, yet possibly needs a, a complete redesign. You know, does does the track go be in, partly into the paddock? You know, so the garages are, are flipped round. You know, you, you need to have a complete blank oh. sheet of paper. But but then when you flip things round, you're constricting your access into the venue. So, you know, more likely is what it is unless you made it shorter unfortunately i would definitely say and this being you know being open like it's the tire question that you ask keith around tire temperatures i would say like if we're designing a brand new track that's such a detailed point it's, it's a very important one but usually there's so many other constraints going on around like land parcels or where you can get the paddock and pit lane like we we could quite feasibly end up with say three or four right handers or left handers on one of our designs before you end up with a alternating corner, um, that would that could happen on one of our designs, I would say, and uh, uh, probably creates then a bit of a headache or a challenge for the riders. But I wouldn't say it would be something that I would design out on, on purpose. Um, but we'll certainly think about yeah, it in the future. That's a good point that you've raised. Yeah, <laughs> you know, number on it or something. You know, so, yeah. I I wonder whether you guys you you know like whether you collect drawings you've got a drawer in the office there each that, that you've got doodles that, that what you would do with different racetracks if you were given the opportunity or asked do you, do you kind of go through that process we do uh I, yeah we do we're often asked to stitch corner sequences together and can we take this corner from here we've got benchmarks of every single circuit in the world drawn up all the speeds um we're in the process of designing our dream track as well at the moment so look out for that so yeah <laughs> Oh well, ha- oh, well, we'll have to get you back on when you've got your dream track done. Yeah. I want to see what that is. Oh, that's, someone did that in F1 and it was about, I think I think a la- they calculated a lap would have been about eight and a half minutes or something like that if they included all of their dream corners from every F1 one, track. You get one so, qualifying uh, lap, unfortunately, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You, can go back, you can go back to things like the Osterite ring and stuff like that. There were some fantastic corners on the Osterite ring, but they're too dangerous to incorporate in modern day tracks because we don't have the space and the runoff. Yeah. But you can just imagine if you go back far enough, you can find a corner for yeah. every season. I'd be perfect. Uh, I've got a book, which is my favorite book that I've had since I was a kid. And it's um, by Joe Saywood. It's the World Atlas of Motor Racing. And every single track in there has been hand drawn. I would love to recreate wow. something like that now for modern day. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a track. Well, it's obviously track geek. I've been drawing them on my school books. Uh, yeah. I, I would hope so. Uh, like, uh, yeah. 
But I mean, that that's brilliant. Well, we do know that um, we, that people from Dorna and the FIM do listen, so that we've got the pitch for the for the track redesign there. Let's see what happens. Um, look, we're nearly out of time for extra. It's the final weekend of MotoGP in 2023. Um, before we let you go, Ben, Gary, is it going to be Pecco Bagnaia or can Jorge Martin clinch you back in the final round for the title? I think it's going to be really tight after seeing seeing what's happened, you know, especially in the recent recent weeks. And obviously, Pecco's now got that little bit more of a gap. It's certainly not going to be sorted very quickly, but yeah, Pecco for me. I, I think Pecco's going to take it. Yeah, yeah I think he's got he's already got the advantage now, and I think he's been there before, isn't he? Mentally, I think. Uh, yeah, I think he'll do it. Uh, I think Martin yeah. knows future. You know, we're going to see next year and, and onwards. He's going to be up there and battling for championships for sure. So, um, but I, yeah, love to see him win it. But I think I think Peko is going yeah. to take it. It's certainly going to be a weekend to watch. That is for sure. Absolutely, Keith, Peko, Jorge. Well, I mean, we're thirty-seven points on the on the board and twenty-one points. The difference between them now. Jorge Martin has got nothing to lose at all. So it's balls out, flat out, going for it and. Sprint race will be probably Jorge Martin. That shifts the pressure, and the pressure is everything. We've seen Bangai make mistakes before when he really shouldn't have done. He almost made one at the weekend, tripping over Digia's back end. So, I mean, there is that possibility of still a mistake. That's the great thing about bikes. It's unpredictable. Verstappen, you saw him. He shouldn't have went one at the weekend, but he did, you know, because it's the way of Formula One. You can pretty much the formulaic way it is. You just can't beat a bloke that's going that good in that vehicle. But on bikes, you can. And so a little bit of luck, perhaps. Um, I think Bagnaia, to answer your question. Um, (laughs) But Martin was my... I thought Martin had got it this year. I genuinely did. And he might still have it. We'll see. Yeah, I think we both we both want we we both said Martin, but uh, it's looking like Pecco, isn't it? But uh, well, let's see. Uh, enjoy the action for the uh, the weekend. We'll be back next week to look back at it all, and uh, we'll do a season review as well and, and a Christmas special as well to round out the season too. So uh, and yes, we're down the pub. Don't forget. Oh yeah, down the pub, no. down the pub. James Toesland, that's coming as well. Um, so uh, we're in that. What's the the, the Kettering pub? The Stirrup uh, Cup in the Stirrup Seagrave. Cup. Yeah. So, not uh, that we'll, I get free we'll drinks a, <laughs> yeah yeah we'll have another instalment with James Tozeland uh, do make sure you continue to support us it means a massive deal to, to every subscription every like every comment um, on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts and a massive thanks to Ben and Gary from Driven International we'll have to get you back on um, and do make sure you, you check out their stuff and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, what the future holds uh, for the circuits you're involved with um, but in the meantime uh, thank you very much and we shall see you after Valencia. Bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.